cometh to you on my knees with my hands together because I know if not what to do in the midst of my stormy weather. I know you're here, but I feel as if we're not together. Remember, you said it was X before the known and darkness before the light, so I gladly accept all pains before pleasures. All my pains before pleasures. Rain is falling on, pain is calling on, Thunder, snow, hell, and sleet. I'm beginning to feel like Joe when you put him to that test and he lost round about 7,000 of his sheep. 500 she-asses, 300 cattle, seven sons and three daughters, all in one week. Could it be? Creator. My life. Job's on a repeat? No. My life is your life. Use me, please. You feel like I was here before. Hands folded down on my knees. Well, if in your book incarcerated tears mark my nails, then so shall it be. Because I know, in the end, like Job, you truly blesseth all those who believeth in thee. Amen. And amen. Peace, love, and power, beautiful people. This is the good brother coming straight to you from the center of self, from the eye power center, the intuitive point on which everything resides. And today's principle is six degrees of separation. That's right, six degrees of separation. And we back at it once again, a Wednesday. Be mindful to check us out every Wednesday for a new episode. But this Wednesday, we're going to get into a memory of mine as it rotate around six degrees of separation uh, and realizing how close uh, I was to connecting with uh, DMX uh, (laughs) and my development. And so once again, man, it's six degrees of separation. That's the principle. So whenever you are, wherever you are and you're seeking to be somewhere, look at six people, six people. Once you strategize and focus on six people who can get you there. You'll make it. I believe in you. Give thanks. Until next light. See you Wednesday. Hey family, so you already know, you know, um what's going on in the world. Uh take a piece of what's going on in the world and looking at one of our um, great balances, right? A great loss at the time, same time, a great gain, right? A loss in flesh, but a gain in spirit. We lost DMX, but we gained an ancestor. And so I uh, just want to share uh, my moment of six degrees of separation, if you will. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and it stems back uh, when Troublesome was in uh, a certain place in his life and everybody, everyone thought that Troublesome was headed to college and, you know, this is what he's going to do once he le- leaves uh, Benjamin Franklin High School. But that wasn't the case, right? 
So before I go forward, let me tell you why that was the case for other people. Because Troubled Son, in the midst of all of his pain, found his poetry and began to utilize it to keep depression away from him, stress away from him, uh, and all of these things, a lot of pain away from him. And so during the process of writing, a lot of people were attracted to it and uh, remembering Dana King, this, oh man, a wonderful, wonderful uh, mother teacher who uh, had Winnie Mandela to come to Benjamin Franklin High School. And um, once, once, you know, once I spoke with Winnie Mandela and I said a poem called Home Bees Africa, right? Uh, and it started off like, I want to go back. I have to go back. I want to go back. I've closed my eyes. Now I'm back to when our people were civilized. Drums beating, keeping us alive in the blackness glowing in Kemet's eyes. Him not knowing, tell me to come, come to more equality. I opened my eyes and realized, damn, my dude, why did you have to lie to me? You know, and it goes forward and it goes on. Um, and Winnie Mandela, I remember uh, that day after uh, reciting that poem to her, um, she, her interpreters, you know, asked if I could come on stage and if I could sign the poem over for her. Uh, and likewise, I did. Who's going to tell Winnie Mandela no? Yeah. <laughs> Queen, mother of South Africa, you know. And so uh, I took the poem up there and she, you know, my most memorable moment is somebody I had a, I actually have the picture as well um, where she kissed me right and so <laughs> and that was like one of the highlights right and so uh, after that there was a lot of um, a lot of lights that were on me right during those times and a lot of um, majority of the television show uh, the news stations were present in Ben Franklin High School during that time to see Winnie Mandela and her entourage was beautiful. Her, her, her village, her tribe, her, her, her nation of women, no men, women that surrounded her and the way they walked into the auditorium was amazing. Just women, royal, lovely. And so great examples for the young sisters of Benjamin Franklin High School at that time. Um, and so let's go forward, right? And so the media was there, uh, the news was there, and, you know, they were able to capture everything. And once I spoke, you know, and everything was over and everybody was going, leaving the auditorium, headed back to uh, classes or what have you, uh, I was asked uh, to do an interview with Channel 3. That was the news, that's the news station in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, it was Channel 3. And the news, um, the interviewer, I, I rem, I, I'm not going to say a name, uh, but I do do remember the name. Uh, she sat me, she sat me down outside of the auditorium and she asked me, I remember, remember her asking me, you know, uh, you know, my name and where I was from and you know what school she was asking me what college I was attending uh so it, it appears as if she thought that I was at that moment 
of troubled son, right? That I was a A student and I was just doing everything right just because she heard me poetically speak for Winnie Mandela. And so, well, during the course of the interview, she was asking me what school I was going to and I immediately said Temple University, right? And the reason why I said Temple University was because Temple University was in North Philadelphia. I grew up in North Philadelphia, so that was right down the street. I didn't want to sound crazy. So, nah, North Philadelphia. Then she asked me what I want to take up. Well, that was easy. That was simple. Uh, Mama Dana King, you know, she was into history. She was into our people. So I said African studies. And so um, I wanted to go to Temple University to take up African studies. And that's what she thought. In my mind, the reality was at that time in my life was what the hell am I eating tonight? How am I make it out of this? And it wasn't focused on no college. I went, college was, I had no thoughts to going to college. That's the reality. No thoughts, whatever, whatsoever. And so, was it wrong? Was it right? No, it was, and it is what it is. And what happened uh, shortly after, she took down my information. She told me that um, she knew someone at Temple University who she was going to pass my name and everything off to. And I, I must have been out playing or running running the streets probably two days after that. And then I went into the house um, as troublesome back then. You know, this was years ago. And my auntie, who had adopted me at the time, she she was excited. She said, oh, oh, my God, Kevin... Temple University called, and, and it was the Afri- African Studies Department, and you know the pre- the president and of the school. <laughs> she 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 was a little off, but I, I got I, I you know I, mean, I get it <laughs> I get it. She was excited because the university had called for me, Temple University, right? And so I didn't care. I didn't care. I didn't take to it too much, and I don't want to focus on not taking it too much. But the thing of this whole piece is that of this. After speaking for Winnie Mandela that day, there were a lot of individuals who thought that I was going to college. Like that, that was my thought. I'm as if I had it all together. And poetry was the thing that allowed me to live in a moment and still go over to the next moment. So with those thoughts in mind. You know, people start to look around for colleges and people did start calling me. But it wasn't because of my grades or my SAT scores and nothing like that. They weren't calling me for that. No, it's where you really get under, begin to understand how the world works um, on and off grid, right? And so that was, the, that was that, right? That's the world reaching out for me and people making moves on my behalf as it pertains to me going to college or them caring enough for me to see to it that my next step to a university uh, is secure. Now, mind you, I didn't, I didn't I, I, that wasn't my, that wasn't my thing. That was my twist. School wasn't my twist. And so uh, during that time, I was, um, well, I, had, I, I believe it was a year's lap because that was, uh, I believe I was 17 
and that again it was 11th grade right and so 99 so the following year which would be the two uh 2000 um yeah 2000 it was 2000 and i was 18 years old at that time you know i was who i was and you know life was what it was in the environment in which i was in <laughs> i knew a few brothers who were in uh into hip hop uh from across track so now let me under- explain real quick so in north philadelphia growing up on 19th and jefferson across tracks would be across your right avenue for all those who know going across your right avenue um into uh francisville you know that's like the biggest spot for uh that people will begin to identify with that's where my father you know my father folk was from and so um i knew a lot of individuals over there and you know it, it was it was g and so um six degrees of separation i had ran with some brothers man real good brothers cool brothers thorough brothers um and they were into hip-hop they were i mean like they was i mean they was in it in it uh and i recall during those times just before death poetry jam hit before it came out and my guys had uh sent out the word to get in contact with me so people were looking for me because they were already in contact with uh one of Def Jam's A&Rs his name was Hits right so Hits if you out there brother I appreciate you the conversation that we had and you were you you were uh one of the individuals in that six degrees of separation between me and X and Hits was coming to Philly he came to Philly and he was looking for some poets um because Russell Simmons had, had was was putting forward Death Poetry Jam. It wasn't out yet. It wasn't known. Nobody knew anything about it. Too much about it. Uh, it was really just catching, uh, you know, really just uh, in house. And their, their team was going out looking for artists, uh, poets. And so my guys who hits the A and R from Death Jam was already rolling with. They told him about me. So that's why they were trying to get in contact with me so that I could meet up with Hits so that hits can you know hear young brother and see if i was what they were looking for for deaf poetry jam this is before it came out and so um this was the year was 2000 and um eventually they got they caught up with me you know what i mean uh i was over i went over there my guys uh right across tracks so y'all know who y'all are (laughs) you know what i'm saying uh, y'all, y'all, some dy- dynamite cats, and, and I really appreciate y'all reaching out to me and looking at me uh, with a skill set uh, good enough to be in front of individuals that you know y'all dealt with at the time. And so I go across tracks, going to the house X, Y, and Z. Um, the A and R hits. He wasn't in there. Uh, he was in town, but he wasn't there. They had made a run real quick. So I sat down on the couch and with about. You know, about 10 to 15 minutes later, Hits come back through the doors with one of my guys. And Hits, I mean, this cat was just, uh, as I recall it, and you're sitting from on the couch as a youngster, he was intimidating, right? Because I already knew he was a part of the industry. And the position I was in at the time 
right struggling as as hard as i was i'm thinking man this can be the this can be my ticket out of the ghetto you know just like this can be my ticket and so i'm sitting there he comes in the crib and like yo where the poet at i keep hearing all this talk about the poet where the poet at and so now i'm i'm right on the couch i can hear him i can see him and I'm like, oh, shit. is he talking about me? Talking about me. You know what I'm saying? And um, my guy was like, yo, he right here. Come on, let's do it. Do what you do, love. And at that time, it was calling me love, right? Because that was my speech. My speech was of uh, positive vibrations. And so, uh, you know, brothers, sisters, or what have you. That's why it's in my speech. Peace, love. What to do, love. How you love. Everything righteous, love. Right? And so they were calling me love um, that last year of high school. And so I stood up and I was like, yo, I know the joint. I'm about to give him, I'm about to give him life right now. Let's go. Right? G baby is fire. That black Jesus, that G double us Jesus. That's I'm about to give it to him, right? Now this is all in my head, right? Man, I stood up and started stumbling through that poem. <laughs> like it was nobody business. You hear me? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh smack. I unjacked everything up, man. I won't be taking care of nobody. I ain't got no ticket out of this sucker. I gotta trust. You know what I mean? I gotta I gotta fight to do something else. And my man was like, nah, man. He's like, yo, Hiss was like, yo, come on, man. I, you can't be nervous. You you talk, I'm, what we're about to do is about to be something, you know, different. So you can't be nervous. You gotta when you stand up and do what you do, you gotta do it. So I was like, all right. He's like, I'm gonna give you one more chance. I said, one more. I said, all right, come on. And then my guys in the room was like, yo, you got it, love. Let's do it. And so I started that thing from the rip, from the top. And I started like you know, all the barriers and limits. I mean, it was just I was just in, I was on. He cut me off before the poem was done. He was like, yo, you going to New York with me. I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, we're going to New York City, man. He's like, listen, this is what we're gonna do. I'm going, um, I'm coming. He said, I gotta go to Miami. But be coming back, right? So he wanted. He said, "I gotta go to Miami, but be coming back to. I'm gonna go to Miami, but be coming back. I'm coming back to Philly on my way to New York." He said, "Listen, be ready when I come through here." He said, "Can you go to New York?" I was like, "Dude." Then I said, "You gonna win?" He says, "Matter of fact," he said, "Yo," I said, "Yo, I know I can't go to New York tonight." He's like, "Nah, nah, nah." He said, "Like, nah, well, you know what I mean? A week or so. Like, give me like two weeks." I'll be no, I'll be back next week. So uh he looking around the room. I'm like, I bet. You know what I'm saying? I ain't had no I ain't had no schedule. If I had something to do, I wasn't doing it. I was I'm going with my man in New York. Because Russell Simmons was creating a new TV show called Deaf Poetry Champ. And I was gonna have the chance, the opportunity to be one of Philly's first poets on his show. So I'm like, it's whatever, man. I know I just couldn't do nothing at the time because I was tending to my great grandmother who was um, who was sick at the time. And so I remember running. I mean, I hauled ass cross tracks. I ran back to the other side of the tracks, went to grandma. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm in the slums, but I know I ain't in this. My mind ain't in the slums. Like, yo, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Get these few. Yo, my man, next week, it's a wrap. I'm gone. You know? And Hits hit me up. They, he was on his way to uh, 
Miami to work on DMX album. I believe it was the Great Depression. And during his course, uh, on during his journey, he hit me up. He called me. You know what I'm saying? He called me. I was using grandma, my great grandma's phone at that time because you know I was with great grandma. And he hit the phone. Was like, yo. He's like, yo, do you listen to X? I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I listen to X. He was like, hey, no, X is my favorite artist. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I listen to him. I listen to him. You know, I was, I mean, I was eager. The little kid, you know, a young cat with no money who saw a way out for his family through his his, his poetry, through his craft. So if you can understand that and you understand his story. And so I'm like, yo, man, I, I, yo, I listen to X. He's like, do you like his prayers? I'm like, man, yeah. He said, could you do one of them? I said, yeah. I never did a prayer in my life. But guess what? See, I took that Bible. My great, my, my great, I took that Bible, ran into the bathroom. I cut the light out. Prayed what I, you know me, I, yo, you know me. I don't know where to open this Bible. I ain't read it before then. Wherever I open it up, I open it up. And that's where I'm going to get my inspiration from. Cut the light on and the book open. Open up at Joe, you know, and open up at Joe, J O B. And I just start reading, and I realized Job lost every month. Man, listen here. First and foremost, Job was a servant, a servant leader. He was God's right. He was God's homeboy. You hear me? He man, listen. When it came to, when it came to God, Job was on point, and so. Reading a story, the devil approached God. This was the power. Was the devil didn't even approach Job. The devil approached God to ask God permission to mess with Job. Do you hear me? You understand what I'm telling you? And you know they go back and forth. You know, just in terms of you know how many times they do it or whatever. And God just said, "Listen here, that's my guy. He's not gonna curse me." I already know his training he's been through. I put him through. Listen, God tells the devil, listen, all right, you want to do that? You can do whatever you want to him. Just don't kill him. And so the devil made God's life. The devil, I'm sorry, the the devil made Job's life literally a living hell. Took everything from him. Gave him blisters. From his feet to his head, couldn't, he didn't want to lay down, he didn't want to stand up. I mean, just made his life hell. Took his sons and wife, took his son's daughter's wife, his 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 livestock, all that. You know, and at that time, livestock was it was your capital, right? And so he took all that from him. And then the devil came through his wife. Started getting his wife to talk all crazy to him, you know. And the devil's test was not successful. After going so far and couldn't do nothing else to Job but kill him just before he killed him, God said, now, okay, now back up. I told you who he was and what he was going to do. It's my guy. He's my guy. Now you back your monkey crazy butt up. Leave him alone. And you know it goes is 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 a little more extensive, but in the end, Job stayed true and faithful, and God said, "I knew you would." And 
God gave him everything the devil took away from him. Plus, he gave him that twice. He doubled what the devil, the devil took away from him. And I read that and I'm like, yo, this is this story is ill. This story is vicious. So that story of Job is what I use to write my prayer poem with DMX flow so that hits can hear it let DMX hear it you know what I'm saying in hopes of you know making something work you know what I mean this is in addition to the the, 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 Rus- the, the Russell Simmons Deaf Poetry Jam, Jam X was working on his album at that time so this was like you know what I mean his just was looking out like yo I'll you give me this and if it's, it's righteous you know what I mean he ain't say righteous but if it's right you know what I mean I pass it forward and then you know uh-duh-duh. so I'm like ooh and so I went in I said okay boom uh, alright boom I come to you on my knees with my hands together because I know if not what to do in the midst of my stormy weather I know you here but it feel as if we're not together remember you said it was X before the known and darkness before the light so I gladly accept all pains before pleasures all my pains before pleasures rain is falling on pain is calling on thunder snow hell and sleep I'm beginning to feel like Joe when you put him to that test and he lost round about 7,000 of his sheep 500 cattle you, you understand what I'm saying? so I get into the prayer man and I'm just setting this sucker up. I can't wait to his call me back. Cause I know I got a I got I know I got a vicious, a vicious one, right? And you know, I put that in the stash, you know, just you know, I know he gotta come back and you know everything's gonna be what it's gonna be. And when I tell you, two days before my man, well, two days before his came back, right? The date when he said, yo, I'm gonna get at you, two days before. It's like that Friday, so so that Friday, I got a call from one of my um, one of my mentors, and, and now one of my uh, community fathers, Mr. Emerson, who was the six who was the. Uh, the teacher on a sixth floor in Ben Franklin High School, when he heard me speak for Winnie Mandela, he was another individual who began to watch me, you know, matriculate throughout uh, Ben Franklin. And so he calls me and says, Kevin, get ready. You're going to Cheney University tomorrow. Get your things ready. You're going to Cheney University tomorrow. Man, you hear me? So somebody call you Friday, tell you going to school Saturday. And you're waiting for the plug to take you to New York City on Sunday. What would you do? What would you do? I know what I did and I know what I would do if I had a chance to do it all over again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that, that phone call went something like, Hey, Kevin, get ready for, you know, get ready for, I said, yo, I said, listen, Bob, I can't, that ain't happening. I got to go to New York City on Sunday. He said, huh? I said, I got to go to New York City. Listen, right? 
And I started to give him the spill about, you know, Jeff Death Poetry Jam. And, and the elder said to me, he said, listen, you can always do your art. But you're not going to ever have, you know, this the opportunity to go to school. And at that time, I was like, damn. What's in front of me? What's right now? And I chose to go to Cheney University. Never received a call. Well, I don't even know because, you know, we ain't had no cell phone. So I ain't had no cell phone. So I don't know if it hit, if his called the house, my grandmom, my great grandmother house or what. But I never heard from him again. And I was entering Cheney University. The first HBCU. <laughs> 1837. And it's interesting because when I got to Cheney University, man, and you know, you you know, once you start making friends and things of that sort, I think it was my my um going into my uh, completing my freshman year or going into going into my sophomore year, uh one of my partners that I got thorough with, uh brother Eric, brother E, um, I started talking to him. I was like, yo, man, yeah, you gotta this joint coming out, man. And I was just telling him my story. We was talking about stories and how, you know, we arrived at the university. I said, yo, man, I was I was supposed to be on this TV show and, you know, it was called Death Poetry Jam. He's like, is out? I was like, nah. So I'm telling him the story, but I don't have no evidence of it, right? Outside of my story. And not knowing if he believed me a lot, I just still was like adamant about telling him though. And I think it was... If it if it wasn't the the second semester of my sophomore year, it was going into my junior year. He saw the advertisement on HBO, right? And so I remember coming back through the dormitory over at Yarnell Hall. Yarnell Hall, you're uh, for all those out there listening. <laughs> Yarnell Hall, and he was like, "Yo, hey Kev, man, I seen the uh, the poetry joint you was talking about." I was like, get, get, you know what I mean? Choice words, get out of here. He was like, no, real life, I, I saw it. I said, huh? Man, I went into my room on the second floor at Yarnell Hall. I was right next door to E. And uh, I, I went into the room and put, I didn't go to class for the rest of the day. I turned on HBO, HBO, just to see if I can catch the, um, the commercial for Death Poetry Jam. And it was that day I caught the commercial for Deaf Poetry Jam, and I cried, and I and I and I and I felt like I missed my train. You know, Hits was right. Hits was out there as an A and R from Def Jam in North Philadelphia, looking for artists, looking for poets to be a part of a television show. And because some of the my run-ins early on with some of my guys. They already knew what I did. Told him. He told me to come, you know, show him what I got. I showed him proof. He said, all right. I, I, he checked that box off. All right, that's legit right there. I'm on my way down to Miami right now to work with DMX. Not knowing that it was my favorite artist. And so I write the prayer in hopes of exhaling it. Go to school just before hits 
reached back out to me. Ex never hear the hear the prayer. Hits if you out there, beloved. Give thanks for your light. Six degrees of separation. If you're in your lane and you're following your focus and you're following your plan, six degrees. I believe that. There's going to be six events, six people, six thoughts, six things, six books, six moments, six things between you and your next power move. And so I want to say, dear Mex, give thanks for your life, beloved.